The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Pope Benedict told a group of U.S. bishops in 2012, January of 2012, that radical secularism threatens the core values of the American culture. And we see that now. We see the results of that. And if you're evil, if you're the devil, you want to go to that which you can make fall to bring down everybody else and make them fall. And so among a parish, it would be the priest. Among the diocese, it would be a bishop. You go to the generals who fight in the war. The Indians, when George Washington was, was fighting, they wanted to shoot him. This is just a principle that you go after. And so it is when the Pope said this to the U.S. bishops, the intent is to see the attack of where we're headed and our culture is headed. And so 
that principle also can be applied to a nation. And we can safely say that Satan wants to bring down the United States of America. And by doing so, where is any stability in the rest of the world? You can argue it. You can debate it. But it can be easily proven by logic that the United States of America is a stable force for the whole world. And if we didn't exist at this moment, what would happen to the rest of the world? And so, yes, everybody around the world needs to be praying for the United States of America. It's very important for your own well-being. Our lady said that when you pray for non-believers, you're praying for your own good. There's oftentimes when you might need to pray outside of what you might be your loyalty, your nation, your family, for the greater good of what's over the family. Your neighborhood's important for your protection. If you're the only family there wanting it to be safe and the rest of the families there are criminal, what good is that? They put you in defensive mode constantly. So what kind of culture in our neighborhood and generally at large the culture itself, the society, are we as a people? Civilizations are things we've often talked about that are in the past. Society, cultures are alive today. It's what's in the present. But ours is dying. There can be no question about it. In Washington, in 2012, they had a rally, the Reason Rally. This was for people who were agnostic, non-believers. And they took pride in that they're atheists. Everybody's got this right, they think, instead of being responsible, that they can get on a public square and say what they wish. They were carrying signs that said, this is what the atheist looks like, talking about themselves. Mostly youth. But they said, we have morals and we have beliefs and we have these values as they walked along the National Mall. They said, people just think that we're evil, God-hating. We're just people. We just don't believe that something happens to us after we die. Yet Romans says there's no excuse not to believe in God because there's no reality that proves God's existence. A cardinal, while sitting in the Vatican, told me once, we have many good people doing bad things. So because somebody looks normal, they wear a suit and ties, doesn't mean the heart is. We have a whole generation that's been raised by people who were and now in the 60s and 70s, who were hippies, who passed on their values that they had at that time in the 60s, on into the 70s. And we started teaching this several dec- a decade ago, at least, or more, valueless education. In other words, it's so clever the way they present it to the youth in the schools, and now we have it so prevalent in the schools, the secularism, that we're threatened by it. 
And there is separation taking place. There's going to have to be a separation. Jeremiah was moaned to most of the people as the prophet of doom. And he had lived in the most tragic part of Israel's history. It's when Jerusalem was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. He was a priest from a family. And he made it clear that he had to obey God's prophecy. Our lady comes as a prophetess. She's telling us what's going on. How to react to it. What we need to do. And one of the most tragic moments the world's going to experience. We're in a point as few other times in the history of the world. And in man's history. And we think things are going to continue? Look around you, my dear children, at the signs of the times. What else does she need to say to us? It wasn't enough. I read that it was enough in the 1560s for somebody being an atheist. They wasn't trying to promote that. They knew it wasn't good for society to do so. Oh, you had the university people even about that time, at that time maybe trying to propagate this thought. But you didn't have rallies. You didn't have a whole indoctrinated youth. The percentage between 18 years of age and 29 years of age of the youth is 25% agnostic, non-believer, atheist. This is, a, this is not a good statistic. And these people will grow up. Some will convert. Some will not. The numbers increase. Less will. And they'll be in positions of authority. We've had this going on for several decades now. And they get in positions of authority. And we're finding resistance on everything, everything we do as a Christian. The church has always fought for religious liberty. With that said, why are we not winning? We're losing ground. A lot of ground. And when God calls us prophetically through our mother to wake us up, to shake us of the destruction that is coming if repentance is not forthcoming and all those whose ears it falls on who are deaf to it, like a lady recently said, talking to us, you're deaf and blind What will it take to shake us? Well, the message is enough for some of us who have listened to Our Lady and mended our lives, changed it, stopped as much fallenness as possible. Yes, still sinner, but we are repentant. <clears throat> we recognize the authority of the commandments in our lives. And we want to live them. And we want to do what Our Lady says. But how many more are out there who hasn't? And what seeds will they be planted for them to convert, as in the other church and its parallels? If you're amongst those who are counted to what I just said, you're also a seed. And it's the blood of the martyrs which were the seeds for future conversions. You think a lady saying, love your enemies? 
love them as Jesus did, our son, to forgive as Jesus forgave, that Jesus loves those who in their while they're in their afflictions. You can say, oh, I've heard all these things, but it's applicable to this moment to constantly be in recall to this because there's two forces rising, our ladies and Satan's. And secular humanism is part of that. And part of the fruit we see growing in the culture, which is bad fruit, rotten fruit, is bad economy, a bad future. And part of that reason is we want everything. We don't want any harshness. We don't want any pain. We don't want any afflictions. We don't want to be able to love. We want to do what's easy. It's easy to hate in afflictions. It's why we have to go to a form of consecration of our hearts to Our Lady that she can lead us. She wants titleship. She has to have this to work in your life. She wants to teach you to forgive. She wants you to love your enemies. She don't want you to be afraid. She wants to remind you, in your afflictions, her son will not forget you. If you continue to love. And that's one of the most difficult things. We know people are bad. We know they've been doing bad things. We know there's many good people doing bad things. And yet we got to love them. We got to take care of them. Though they spit in our face. You can stand apart from it. You can get in their face to say you're morally wrong. You're in error. But they're going their happy way. And there'll come a time we may have to take care of some of these. We may have to give our life for some of these. No small task is already coming for 31 years to teach us something that we can't live always in everything we want. Every God, every answer we ask God to, to or rather every prayer we ask God to answer can be answered. He, he can't do that. Can he do it? What happens if he does do it? We become spoiled. This comes from um, a book called Mondays with My Old Pastor by Jose Luis Navajo. And he writes, It is said that one day there was a peasant who asked God if he could rule over nature so that it would produce better crops for him. And God granted him his wish from that moment on, when the peasant wanted a light rain, it happened. When he asked for sunshine, the celestial king of the sky shone in all its splendor. If he needed water, it rained harder. But when the time of harvest came, his surprise and shock were great because it was a complete failure. Upset and angry, he asked God why the experiment had ended that way. Why did the crop turn out bad since he had asked for what he thought? was the perfect weather. God answered him, You asked for what you wanted, but in reality, that wasn't what was needed. You never asked for a storm, and those are necessary to cleanse the sowing of the seed, to scare the birds away and the animals that destroy it, and to purify it from the pestilences that are very destructive. That's how it happens to us often. We want our lives to be pure nectar, without any problems, an abundance of honey, and a complete absence of bitterness. A true winner 
is not someone who does not see difficulties, but rather one who is not frightened by them and does not retreat or turn back. That's why we can declare without fear of being wrong that difficulties are advantageous. They produce maturity and growth. Every person needs a real storm in his life to make him understand how much he is worried about light showers and simple fleeting nonsense. The important thing is not to flee from the storm, but rather to have faith and trust that it will pass and will leave something good in our lives. General Douglas MacArthur said, Give me a son who has suffered, who's been put through the trials, who's had difficulties, who's had experience of the storms of life. Why would he want that? Why would he say these principles, wishing things are not pleasant for your own son? The same God, or rather the same principle that God himself has placed on us through Our Lady. She said in her Thursday messages, God wants to send you trials. Even now he's testing you. This was, of course, during a storm that was hitting the village of a two, three-week rain right, right at harvest time, which is devastating. That thing, One major thing that you'll see the villagers working their whole year long in preparation for and longing for, the harvest of the grapes. And here is the father sending a storm. He says so. He sends you trials so that these villagers will lose some of their grape harvest. Because he wants to see them if they love them. He wants to feel the love of these villagers, even in the bad times. Are they going to turn against God? The Navy SEALs go through the most rigorous testing to drive them away, to see if they really love their intentions to become a Navy SEAL, that chosen class. Heaven is built on the same principle. We're here on this life for a test to see which way we're going to spend our eternity, heaven or hell. Ultimately. And the rewards are so great. Do we expect just to give us the weather we want? Just to do what we want and then we're just going to go to heaven? No, you got to be tested. you got to be worthy. See if you're worthy to enter the gates of heaven. You've got to have self-discipline. You have to fast. You have to pray. And that praying and that fasting will transfer into your physical surroundings. Because you, you want that to reflect where you'll spend eternity. As our lady said, you'll already be living heaven on earth when you begin to live my messages and apply that to your life. Principles. Principles of which we think, well, there's no reason to have principles. That's just scruples. Patriotism. Love of country. Love of God. Love of family. No apologies. But you'll be resisted. You'll be hated. The greater you promote this in your life by its witness, the more you do despise, just like Jeremiah. Because who obeyed God, and even reluctantly, was carried off into captivity. Everyone hates truth. And they have to overcome that hatred. Because every time everybody sins, sin is hatred. These people are saying, oh, we have morals, we have beliefs, we have the values. 
People just think we're evil, God-hating. To deny God is to hate God. They may not know that. There may be many good people dressed up in suit and ties or normal-looking. And yes, they're wounded. And yes, through love, they've never experienced. They've become non-believers. And yes, our lady pities them, as we should too. But we don't have to adapt and accept the radical, radical secularism and the sins floating in the face. We can stop that and say, we don't accept this in society. We can't be neutral to this. Because if we tolerate it and say, well, live and let live, which is from the devil, you think the early Christian martyrs, you think the, the, the early Franciscans who came to this country and others who went to the Orient, St. Francis of Sales and all these and what his people did, all these orders went out and gave their blood and died, that they were saying, live and let live, they went to convert the pagan. The aborigines, the godless, there was no live and let live. Christianity is not passive, not proselytized with their life, show them a better way. And Christ and Christian principles is the better way. And because we're vacating that, we're giving up ground to atheism, agnosticism, non-believers thinking they have a right to their opinion above ours, truth, their opinion above our truth, not our opinion. We don't have to debate them. We just need to act our policies into our life, into our home, into our own heart. And let that manifest from our heart back out through every public policy. No, we will not apologize that all civil laws, those principles of civil laws, will be bonded indissolubly, indissolubly to Christian principles. Why should we apologize for that? You want to apologize to the atheist? Oh, okay. You don't want the Ten Commandments, okay. That shall not kill, okay. You don't have to live underneath that. That shall not steal. Don't complain when your car is stolen out of your driveway. Don't complain when your wife commits adultery, your husband commits adultery. Why should you be that? That's your values? What is your values? They can't have any real moral values without having values based on the Ten Commandments. They live a contradiction. You need to expose that to them. You need to show it to them. First with your life that you're living it. And then you. That's the financial plan to heal the economy. Nothing else. We don't have to have any elaborate thing. We don't even have to have the, the, the budget brought into balance. Cap the budget for the country. Because that will happen by living the Ten Commandments. It's a natural product. It's not happening because we're not living these things. It's the fruit of moral Christian principles. It's not going to change. We're not going to get elected officials and call them and get them to cap this or do this or live within your means. Because Christians and the culture is not living within the Ten Commandments. It's that simple. No other plan, no other way. Two words, Jesus Christ. No other religion, no other faith do we have to make apologies for. Oh, you can choose those. You can choose to be a new age. We recognize free will. 
but you're not your your God's is not above ours, and we won't lay placated into all the laws that's going along, and let you supersede that. We are a Christian nation. Take it back, and then God will take back this economy chastisement, this admonition that's coming our way. Frank. Yeah, and it's um, really the, the people I'm talking to, and, and you know, as we begin Lent, you know, it's the Christians, it's us that's the the problem. And uh, I have a, a friend down here um, across the street where I bought the land, a good friend, and these Protestants are reading the book. Uh, they fired the first shot, 2012, and he's getting pretty fired up. And he said, what, "What's What's got me fired up about this whole thing is Catholics are the only ones saying anything about this. He said, why aren't the leaders of, of our church saying anything? And this is the problem, that uh, Christians aren't doing what we're supposed to be doing. You know, we're too quiet. Uh, we won't work on Sundays, but we'll, you know, own a business that's open on Sundays. Why aren't we behind this mission like we should be? That uh, for two months we we were back ordered on it ain't going to happen. What um, are we thinking? Our ladies here. Who else is writing this stuff? I mean, this is this is our responsibility. We're dropping the ball on getting behind our ladies' ability to to spread the message. Um, that it was just it's just sick to know how much, uh, you know, behind we're getting because we're not tithing where we're being fed. Because I know there's, you know, a lot of us that are listening that um, that can be doing a lot more because you certainly have uh, have it on your plate <laughs> that, uh, you know, things you need funded. Well, they find uh, whether ain't going to happen was really a lack of funding. We had the press time. We didn't have the people that we needed to hire to put on it. And yes, the community does it, but we're stretched beyond what we're doing. As we often say, 40 people doing the work of 400, and that's literally the case. Um, that you bring that up, we, we do need to find several hundred people that will tithe 5%. It's that simple. You won't even believe what, we'll out, what we will output from that. And we've got to go in there. We've got the infrastructure built. We've got everything here. We've got most of the equipment. That's got to happen. And we don't have time to delay it. And if you like the message, if you like what was being said before, if you identify with this truth, Satan has a lot of money. He's got the resources. He's got the George Soros's. He's got all these people doing everything. And then it comes down to this. Reading How to Change Your Husband. I see for hundreds of little booklets and hundreds of other writings. Have you grown from this? Do you feel secure in that way? Come relating to now, they fired the first shot. We're lacking funds to fire back. We've got it. The most dangerous thing is the ink pen. As Optimus said, there's nothing worse than a journalist with a barrel of ink. What if God's people has that? What if God's people turns the tables? It has things that can change and transform mentalities of who people that aren't Catholic, and I assume that what you're saying is your friend there is speaking the way he's speaking is he's Protestant, which is good because we have a lot of Protestants that are adopting. They fired the first shot. 
And that's that's the hope, is to break over mentalities, even to non-believers. And so that said, we do need this, what Frank was just talking about. Frank, what's going on with the America's Metal Medjugorje Silver Medallion right now and the silver? Well, the, the market's still complacent and, and um, being controlled in the sideways for a long time. Um, you know, people get complacent. But you, you have to see that we've gotten so far from reality on, on what money is. You know why do we why do we have change and why why are there coins and why were there medals and and what what's a paper dollar? People are going to wake up to these things. Uh, gold owners that that are holding trillions of dollars worth of gold are going to see that silver's being consumed to a greater degree. Inventories are less than silver. The the silver to gold being bought is the same dollar amount are going into it. If if the inventories were the same. Then, in the same amount of money's being bought in these assets that are monetary assets, silver more so than gold. Silver's more of a monetary asset, or been money longer than gold is. Silver's synonymous with money, but um, the prices should be equal. If you know, if if the same amount of money's going in this, and there's the same amount of inventory, but there's less inventory in silver. Um, silver's in private hands mostly, so. Uh, the world's going to wake up to this, in other words. And and uh, it's not only that gold buyers are going to come out of gold to buy silver. Every asset class is, no. is going to try to get in here, and you're going to have um, an extraordinary, extraordinary value. While well, salt, Frank, while well, salt in the gold, the gold rush of California trading weight for weight with gold, why well, was... Eggs worth a fortune in the gold rush age, paying ridiculous sums. How did that value of those eggs and that salt get to that? Why was that? Rarity. They didn't. They didn't exist. It exactly. Was, it was rare. So what, what my point is, I just got to read about Apple computers are are, are uh, slow on production because they like the silver to produce it. Frank, is there any product out there? I'm talking about oil. I'm talking about food. I'm talking about um, commodities. I'm talking about anything out there that's being produced. What would be the the shortest, the greatest shortage that exists right now? What product would it be? Well, for the necessity that it's needed as an industrial model um, for electricity, for solar energy, and for investment, silver by far. It is... Uh, dangerously scary inventories. You, you, people have to wake up to what's going on. And I know a lot of people that are reading They Fired the First Shot 2012, are, they have you know a lot of money still in dollars because they're getting ready to buy land, which is the right thing to do. But you can transition in and out of silver, and if you transition in and out of the miraculous metal, it doesn't matter if you, you know, you're, you're probably at this price going to get an appreciation of purchasing power but it, it doesn't matter if you're even, you're not going to have a, a great deal less purchasing power. The point is, is that you're evangelizing Our Lady. If you, um, I understand some things you say better and better the, the more that I hear them, but silver's transitional, and silver's not the goal. The, the end goal is, 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 you know, the land and a way of life and um, a homestead. 
what's different when you're standing on a thousand acres looking at it. You can see a little more clear. When you're standing, you're living on Ten Commandments, and you're living on uh, uh, land debt-free. That's a uh, hundred times more than the land you had debt on. Hey, this is last week's well, program. Yeah, <laughs> we're driving, driving, the point, driving this point even further of how serious the shortage is, is people aren't taking delivery. They've ordered it. In other words, any product out there, whether it be cars or whatever, if you've got millions and millions and millions of, of, of them ordered and they're not taking that order at that moment, in other words, but it's on back order, then there's nothing compared to silver because they're trading every day. It was, what, 500 million ounces a day on paper? On paper. It doesn't exist. Okay, this is so. This is demand. So 500 million ounces a day. Think about this. Think about each one of those being a car, and they're not taking delivery. And if they said, okay, we want delivery because they saw that, uh-oh, the dollar's about to crash, so give me my silver. It doesn't exist. Who's going to produce 500 million cars? It's the same thing. You say, well, that's a lot bigger. No, an ounce of silver to a car or whatever the product may be. Nobody's going to be able to produce 500 million of those. So people are taking physical possession. So why is it the price going up? That's the point that I'm making. Because the rarity of it, gold ounce for ounce was salt was the same value. That rarity, that shortage of it, is being suppressed partly for national security because the economy would crash if everybody wakes up. And you're ahead of the curve. If you start waking up now and do this and act on this, you'll realize... Hey, I want this physically. I want to hold the. I want to hold that bag of silver or boxes of silver. In some cases, millions of dollars worth of silver because we've had people do that. We're saying that again, not for the goal to be that, but to get to your way of life and also to safeguard if you have extra in your over or your retirement. Put it in that. It doesn't make any sense to hold this in dollars when you got five hundred million ounces a day being traded, and there's only seven hundred million ounces a year. Mind, 700 million ounces per year, mind, 350, 350 million ounces go to the industry, which disappears. You don't take it back out of your cell phones. The cell phone, when it breaks, goes to the dump. So that's 350 million ounces being mined that's available for you to purchase and use in the coinage or medallions or whatever, a jewelry or whatever it may be. When you got 500 million ounces a day traded, that's paper, it's fake, and they're all making money off each other or either getting people to maliciously lead them to buy that paper and then they drop the price, they make the money on the short. You don't buy paper, you buy silver. You don't buy silver bars, you buy something that's going to bring people salvation. That's our purpose of what we do. Go back, that ain't going to happen. Frank, your contact information? Yeah, you can call us toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And our website is globalsilverinvestors.com. And you may see salt worth what an ounce of silver would be worth or an ounce of gold worth. But to get to that point, at least you can buy the salt. So don't think because you want to have your dollars to spend on land later or a year from now, you don't know where silver's going to go. When the rarities hits and everybody wants their physical demand, they paper people want that in 
hard silver, there's no place for it to go except through the roof. It's just elementary. That's why salt went through the roof for the price of gold. Any last comment, Frank? Yeah, that's the, the hundreds of millions of ounces in paper are being sold for the exact reason to suppress silver so that it looks like there's, there's actually a real seller for the people that are, that are interested in buying. And, and it's done with desperation so that the things we're talking about can't enter into the mind of the common people and they, they start buying it. So it's, and, and so the price is, is, is lackluster or volatile to make, you know, people steer away from it. So, the entire monetary system is make-believe. It's all make-believe, and we have to start moving to real, tangible things. There's no downside to, to the miraculous metal Medjugorje round because you're helping Our Lady. You're giving a blessing to the world by saying yes to her who said yes to God, and there's no downside. So, this is, and all this is tied to the Ten Commandments. Everything else is fruitless, even you as an individual— you separate from where everything's headed by doing that. It doesn't mean you won't experience tribulation. It means God's going to preserve some people through tribulation to be the seeds for the future. So we ask you to ponder deeply these thoughts to help you make your decisions in the future where you need to go. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.